Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show with Matt West. And here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show, heard on the radio in Southern Colorado and around the world as a podcast. Matt West here, hanging out with you, talking cars on the weekend. I've got a loaded show for you today with a special guest in the second half of the show. Now, before we get to my guest, my guest is an award-winning designer, and he is going to be talking about automotive logo design. This is really cool, and it's something we don't often think about, and he comes from the perspective of someone who makes designs for for companies and different things, and he is a major car nerd. His name is Carlos Segura, and uh, I'm really excited to have him on in the second half of the show. And before we get to that, we're also going to talk about the newest and perhaps maybe the coolest off-roader to hit the streets in years, in my opinion. It is not made by Ford. It is not made by Chevy, not Dodge, nor even Toyota. And it's really interesting. I had a chance to see one for the first time here in Colorado this week. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about good news for uh, some car enthusiasts in California, which that's actually very rare when that happens. So, um, now before we get to that, I do want to thank you for joining me here on the very first show of 2024 into the new year i have some automotive new year's resolutions which are um uh well well they're they're mostly they mostly involve actually just finishing the cars that aren't done so we'll see we'll see how far that goes did you know by the way they say the average new year's resolution like how long it lasts um, for it, it depends, but it's different between men and women. Uh, women typically keep their New Year's resolutions until Valentine's Day, and men keep their New Year's resolutions until the Super Bowl, which that's that's not setting a very high bar, but it's understandable. It is perfectly understandable. That means I have to finish all of my cars uh, before the Super Bowl, or else I'm done for. They're not going to get done. That's just not going to happen. So <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? I still have bushings to push out of the S2000. I've got uh, uh, a radiator to do in the A86, a hood, some other things, and it's it's not looking it's not looking good for me. It's not looking good. I'm just telling you that much there. Oh yeah, and I I obviously seem to have the problems. It's actually real problems with the Toyota. My my pickup truck is uh, has been giving me some grief. So I'm working I'm working through it, but I got to tell the Super Bowl cuz that's when the New Year's resolutions are done. You can't keep them after the Super Bowl apparently. So anyway, um hey, another thing I got to get to here uh before we uh get to my fantastic guest later in the show. Uh and I just heard about this just before doing the show here. I wasn't planning to talk about this, but uh this is this is too cool. Uh hat tip drag coverage by the way, and a father sells seven of his home built his well not home built, but his self-built muscle cars in order to fund the purchase of an abandoned drag strip, and he's reopening the drag strip to the public. This is in West Virginia, and this is very, very cool. I love to see this because we live in a world where uh, tracks, racetracks, drag strips, road courses, whatever, are, are closing down at record rate. They're closing down faster than they're being opened, 
And it's quite frankly, it's a tragedy. I, I'm not sure what to say about that. You know, and I've talked about it here on the show before. It uh, The reason these tracks close down is because of um, government regulations. That's one of them. Encroaching housing developments. That's another one. Um, uh, Cletus, uh, fam- famous YouTuber who you may be familiar with, has his uh, racetrack called the Freedom Factory. And he's talked about this on his channel where he has been... The racetrack was there first, but the homes are moving in closer to him. And then the homeowners are getting upset that there's a racetrack. And this also has happened here in Colorado. Bandemir, just up the road from me um, in Denver, is uh, has uh, shuttered its doors, has closed up for business. Um, now, they are going to be, allegedly, they're going to be, uh, Bandemir is moving to a new location. They're working on a new facility out by the Denver International Airport. So that is good. That is good news. And perhaps it was a wise business decision to sell the property so they can build houses on it and sell it to a developer and make a ton of money and then go build a nicer facility further out of town. That's probably what happened more or less. You know, it was probably a good business decision for him at, at this specific time uh, and in that specific area, but still it doesn't make it feel any better though. In my opinion, it doesn't. I mean, racetracks closing is a tremendous issue because we have there's very few places where car enthusiasts can do car enthusiast things. And, uh, you know, and, and you close the racetracks and then your cities and your government say, uh oh, street racing is on the rise. We got to ban this, ban this, more enforcement after they just closed racetracks. It's it's just tough. It's it's very tough for car enthusiasts. I get it. A first world problem. But this guy is a hero. I need to talk about him. Earl Smith is his name. And. He 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 is, uh, you know, a, a legend, you could say, uh, a gentleman and a scholar. And um, and he decided to go buy this this abandoned drag strip and this abandoned drag strip in Virginia, um, it, you know, was was abandoned for years and he had his eye on it. And, you know, he said essentially saying that, well, look, I want to buy that drag strip. And so it was called the Kanawha Valley Dragway. It opened in 1994 and it closed in 2017. Um, And the owners initially said the racing venue had been unsuccessful um, and they said it would be better used as a private residence or a horse farm, something along those lines. But Earl Smith, Earl Smith, remember that name. (laughs) He decided that that wasn't going to happen, that there needed to be drag racing. The hills of West Virginia needed the sounds of tire screeching and V8s rumbling down this quarter-mile drag strip. And um, I think that this is this is something I think we should all do, obviously. Is obvious. We should all clearly um, liquidate our retirements and, and uh, go buy drag strips. I think the world would be a better place if we did that. But that being said, that, that may not be for you, but for Earl Smith, it was. And, you know, it can be tough to part with cars, especially project cars that you've put a lot of time into. But he sold seven of his muscle cars, seven of them. Presumably, I don't know. They didn't say if he kept one for use in drag racing. I don't know. He might have even made the ultimate sacrifice and sold the only his last car that even had drag racing potential so that others could drag race. So. Um, anyway, this is this is fantastic stuff. I, I love hearing stories about this. We need to keep grassroots racing alive. That's that's really what it comes down to. I mean, grassroots motorsports is so important to our local communities. It 
builds uh, uh, relationships with people all from all walks of life. It keeps younger folks out of trouble on the streets. It, it does a number of things that are beneficial to a community. And of course, if you have a local track, you've got events and and things that bring people from out of state and even out of country, no less. And, it, you know, it, it's mind blowing to me how city planners and county planners and and these bureaucrats who sit on, you know, uh, these boards and stuff don't see the benefit from that. They don't see it one bit. In fact, they hate car enthusiasts. They hate you. They hate me. In many cases, that is. I'm not saying anything specifically about our local government here in Colorado. In fact, we've got a couple of great racetracks. Um, you know, we've got Pikes Peak International Raceway just down from me, Pueblo Motorsports Park, La Junta Raceway. If you go up north, we've got High Plains Raceway. Um, so we, we have some good racetracks around here, but I'm just saying generally, you know, you got to protect the racetracks. You got to keep them open. Now, hey, don't go anywhere. Later in the show, my interview with award-winning designer Carlos Segura is coming up right here after the break. You're listening to Automotive ADHD. At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast from driving, working, sleeping, and eating. Someone help, he's choking! This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft, child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep, that was us. Apollo 11? Also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell, we even wrote the Wikipedia article. Fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can interact with and download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Learn more at Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things. And here we are. We are back on the Automotive ADHD show heard right here on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer here in Colorado Springs. You can also tune into the show further south in the state, 91.7 KLZR. We are taking over the airwaves of Southern Colorado Radio. And of course, you can catch the show as a podcast. And if you are catching it as a podcast, there's a good chance you're listening on Spotify. Spotify lets you rate shows, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. It's a fairly recent feature. And uh, you should give this show a six star rating. I know it only lets you put five in there, but if you put if you try to at least put six in there, I think something good will at least come of that. So uh, anyway, there you go. Matt West here, by the way, talking cars on the weekend. And uh, by the way, if you have car sounds that you want to send into my show, I play people's car sounds on the radio. It's one very cool thing about this show. At least I think it's cool if I if I'm a, if I could say so myself. Um, and those car sounds you heard were from Josh Maldonado, the one of my favorite car sounds from him. That guy has sent me so many things. Um, and you should send in things as as well. And I'm going to reopen a promotion I did uh, a little while back, which involved um, giving instead. So normally at the end of the month, uh, you know, I take all the car sounds I get and I pick one winner to get a $25 gift certificate, the automotive ADHD keychain, and the as heard on the automotive ADHD show sticker. But right now, starting in 2024, and I think we'll at least go for a couple of months until, I don't know, let's see how it goes. Let's say April, right? Um, 
Let's go ahead and do that. I Anyone who sends car sounds in just needs to immediately, when you send the sounds into my Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD, or you can email me, matt at throttlewarrior.com. Again, that's matt at throttlewarrior.com. Uh, if you just send me the car sounds and your mailing address, I'll mail you the keychain and the sticker, and then we'll still do the drawing at the end of the month for one lucky winner to get the $25 gift certificate. So how about that? And if you're listening on the podcast out of country, I will I will do my best to ship that to you wherever you are. I can't guarantee it if you're in some incredibly strange, weird, faraway country, but I will do my best. We've, we've had listeners as far as Lithuania who I've uh, shipped prizes to, so I think that is a... Uh, that's a good start there. Again, Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. Now, we've had some good news uh, in the car scene in California, which that that almost never happens. When do you have good news in terms of legislation, in terms of laws? Uh, when do you have good news relating to laws in cars in California? It's always going the wrong way. It's always inhibiting car enthusiasts from doing more. Um this is actually good news, though. Hat tip, Christian uh, Shaw from The Drive. Lowriders may cruise again in California. So going back to the 1980s, cruising, and, what, what, and define cruising here, because you could just drive around anywhere in your car, but cruising specifically is where cars go past, uh, you know, on a section of road where people can watch. They drive one way, they slowly roll one way, and they wave to people and spectators. This is more of like lowrider culture, right? You know, showing off your lowrider, doing the cool stuff with the hydraulics and all of that, right? Um, and then turning around and cruising back the other way. Well, this was banned in the 1980s because presumably politicians in California, much like now, much like politicians now in California, but presumably they didn't have a sense of fun. Uh, they didn't really know what fun is, um, which that can be said now. And um, it was banned legally. You couldn't cruise. And this, I think, disproportionately affected lowrider culture, which especially now, if you've ever been to a meet with lowriders, um, lowrider culture is some of the most family-oriented kind of car show culture out there right now. Now, maybe it wasn't always that way, but it's very different now than the street scene of street takeovers and drifting and endangering citizens and doing donuts in intersections and wrecking stolen cars purposefully while people film it for TikTok and social media. Um, Lowrider culture compared to that, compared to the impact on the community, is... Is I don't want to say tame because the guys who build these lowriders like they're like these builds are crazy. The amount of work that goes into some of these lowrider setups is just mind blowing. Uh, and I'm not a lowrider guy. I don't I don't speak the lingo when it comes to all the uh, modifications they do and all of that stuff. That's actually kind of out of my wheelhouse, even as a car enthusiast, which just goes to show how diverse the automotive enthusiast. Uh, you know, groups of enthusiasts are, how diverse uh, of a range of interests and things that covers. And lowriders, I, I really respect the work that goes into some of these, the paint jobs, the hydraulics, some of this stuff is just awesome. And uh, cruising, again, is more of a lowrider thing. They drive around, they have some music playing, they do the cool stuff with the suspension, they get the cars hopping in the air or just going up and down. Like It's cool, right? And this is great. So, this new bill, Assembly Bill 40, or sorry, Assembly Bill 436, 436, uh, titled The Cruising is Not a Crime Bill, went into effect as of January 1st. 
And um, and this is amazing, uh, especially, again, when you think about how family and community focused the lowrider scene is compared to other parts of the car scene. Um, and I think this is really cool. And this um, uh, this also have to credit David Alvarez, California State Assembly Representative David Alvarez for introducing Bill 436. Um, and, uh, and, and he says, Alvarez says, quote, classic cars and cruising cult, uh, and cruising are an expression of art and cultural identity and safe cruising events offer a fun and festive opportunity for communities. This is great news. I, I'm so happy that I have the opportunity to, to, uh, talk about this here, uh, on the radio. And, and, and it's just because we have in the automotive world, there are so few legal wins for automotive enthusiasts and this is one of them and we have to when these wins happen uh we we have to recognize them and praise them when these things happen these these deserve admiration and praise when we can get rid of a law that is nonsensical and prevents um you know people from enjoying safely enjoying cars in an interesting way right and uh, so I think this is great. I think this is a um, a good step forward. You know, I, I hate it whenever I on this show have to report about, well, this got banned or they're doing this now or whatever. Right. Or when we you know, have to rally together as car enthusiasts to support things like the RPM Act and stuff like that. You know, we have to hang on to that stuff or else you know, we might lose it. So we're actually gaining some ground back, even if it's just a small portion of it, really fantastic news. Congratulations to all the lowrider guys in California. I, I need to go to a more lowrider meets just to absorb the culture of that. Cause it is so it's different. I I'm used to like the autocross track culture and some of the JDM stuff. Like that's really where I spend a lot of my time and this is different and I appreciate it for what it is. So um, anyway, there you go. Now, before we get to my guest, Carlos Segura, award winning designer, he's coming up here in the next segment. Um, I also got to talk about one of the more interesting vehicles, uh, pretty much the opposite of a low rider. You could call it a high rider, I guess. Well, it's an off-road vehicle. Um, and I this the launch of this vehicle was went totally under the radar for me. I totally missed out on this uh, and the fact that these are being delivered now to the United States until I saw one here in Colorado and I went, whoa, that's a weird looking Land Rover Defender, you might be getting that. You see, there's a hint there. You might be knowing what I'm talking about. The Ineos, 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 I N E O S, Ineos Grenadier. What is the Grenadier? Well, this is an interesting vehicle. Think of the old school Land Rover Defenders that were made for years and years and years. This is basically a modern Defender uh, made by the um, uh, one of the guys at Ineos, Ineos, by the way, you might not recognize them as a car manufacturer. They have a huge reach in creating, uh, in, in the petroleum world, creating chemicals and different parts of industry. Ineos does a ton of stuff. They are a massive, massive company. You just don't maybe recognize them as a consumer, but they make a lot of the products and supply a lot of the things that supply companies that you may recognize after all. Now, the chairman, um, Jim Ratcliffe, who's a car enthusiast, um, decided that he wanted to, uh, and, and I'll read, let me read you some of the corporate speak here um, from, from their website. Uh, Jim Radcliffe, quote, a car enthusiast and experienced adventurer identified a gap in the market for a stripped back, utilitarian, hardworking 4x4 engineered for modern day compliance and reliability. 
Great. What does that mean? Well, the real story here is he wanted to buy the tooling, essentially, to the old school Land Rover Defender. But Land Rover, essentially, as the story goes, wouldn't sell him, him him and his company, the tooling to just make the old Defenders. Because Land Rover doesn't make the old Defenders, and there's a huge market for them. People love them still. And um, so he decided... We're just going to make our own Defender. And he did that and managed to get it looking a lot like the old Defender, by the way. Um, Like a lot like it. Yes, it's different. If you look at them side by side, you can spot the differences easily. However, if you look at them each on their own, gosh, this Ineos Grenadier um, looks very much like a old school Defender. And it has a BMW um, powertrain in it, which is also which is also. You might say, oh, it's BMW. It's a Land Rover looking thing that is powered by a BMW. That can't be very reliable. Well, the good news here is it's not actually made by Land Rover. So that, for one, is good for reliability, just out of principle. But secondly, this is the BMW. It can be equipped with a couple of engines, but the BMW M58 and the M57. So a straight six gas or a straight six diesel, which BMW has been making these for years and years now. And they're in all sorts of vehicles from sports cars to SUVs. And if there is a reliable BMW setup, I think the B, the, the, the B58 um, I don't know if I said M58 or B58 earlier. It's the B58 anyway. But regardless, um, it 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 is, uh, you know, a dependable engine. They've been around for a while. It's a tried and true design. If you get the uh, diesel one by, or well, if you, sorry, if you get the gasoline one first and foremost, it's 282 horsepower and 331 pound-feet of torque with the diesel variant at 245 horsepower and 404 pound-feet of torque, all in a vehicle that is true to a body-on-frame, classic off-roader, has great lines, looks great, but it's a modern vehicle, and you've got things like center-locking diff, you've got four-wheel drive, obviously. They even make a pickup version of the uh, Ineos Grenadier. It's called the Ineos Grenadier Quartermaster, so it's a quad cab with a pickup bed, um, and it is tremendously cool, and you know, I, 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 you know, I, I criticize, you know, Land Rover. I've criticized BMW in terms of reliability and things like that. I think this is almost perfectly, though, a match made in heaven. This is really cool. And especially, you know, you look at how sophisticated modern SUVs have become. You know, you look at how expensive you can option a Jeep, the Broncos. You can get them pretty pricey. And for something that's just a bare bones, no hassle off-roader that looks the part and plays the part, This is very cool. I'm excited to talk more about it, maybe in the future as well, as we see more on pricing and as more of them reach customers. But in just a minute, my guest, Carlos Segura, after the break, right here on Automotive ADHD on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Colorado Springs' number one car show by default. This is Automotive ADHD. Now, I'm very excited to have my next guest on the show. Now, to just call him an award-winning designer would be an understatement. He's been working in marketing and design since the 1970s and has founded his own design firm. Now, I guarantee you've seen his work without even realizing it. He's also an author and a car enthusiast, having just released his book, The ABCs of the Automotive Industry. Carlos Segura, welcome to Automotive ADHD. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. 
I'm glad to have you here on my humble radio show. Now, Carlos, before we talk about your book, you have a fascinating background. Uh, you came from Cuba at a young age. Tell me a little bit about that and how you went from being a Cuban immigrant at a young age to now an award-winning designer. Tell me about that. Well, the only reason I was born in Cuba is because my family fled Barcelona during the Franco years, during World War II, and moved to Cuba for freedom. Big mistake. And then, of course, we lost everything again in Cuba and moved to uh, the United States in 65 via Mexico. And uh, I grew up in Miami and uh, I was in a I was a drummer in a band and I thought I was going to be a drummer for my whole life. I eventually uh, became a designer and uh, very, very long story, which I know we don't have time for. But that's how I became a designer, moved to Chicago in 1980 and I started my own company in 90. And then in 94, we started the first digital type foundry on the web uh, in the United States. Wow. Now, that's interesting. So creating a type foundry, creating fonts and things like yep. that, that means, you know, and I'm sure that's one of the cases where people have probably seen some of the, the fonts that you, you've made and they've seen them in other products and things. Give me some highlights of the uh, design from your firm is called Segura, just like your last yeah. name, Segura mm -hmm. Inc. What yeah. work would some of my listeners maybe recognize that Segura has done? Well, if you play PlayStation or any of the uh, uh, games, uh, driving games and all that kind of stuff, uh, Call of Duty and all that, those are our fonts that are in the systems as you're playing. Uh, if you went to go see Harry Potter, that's our title for the movie. Uh, our fonts were used for Superman and Batman and all kinds of different places uh, throughout uh, the industry. And of course, wow. we do, you know, we do work for Nike and a lot of snowboards and a lot of record label work and stuff like that. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, now let's talk about too a little bit about maybe just some of your personal before we get to some of the automotive stuff, some of your personal mm -hmm. just kind of design inspirations and things like what was there any single thing that maybe got you into being a designer, a logo, anything like that? Uh, there wasn't a specific. Well, there was a specific thing when we came from Cuba, uh, we drove by a Sunoco oil gas station sign and back then they used to be enormous and they used to revolve and remember it had that big yellow arrow through it and i remember when i was seven eight years old looking at that and it triggered something inside me i didn't know what it was at the time but i believe that was it um but as i got older i think two things really influenced me um i generally speaking have uh couched my career around the classic japanese aesthetics and uh, British type direction. And I've married the two to combine my own language is the best way I can explain it, really. Wow, that's amazing. Now, let's tee that into cars, because cars, you know, you have everything from the mechanical design and engineering to the design language and the branding of the cars. And yes. I... I, I saw it was a it was a study a while back, maybe a year or two ago, where they asked in the study, they asked participants to draw car logos purely from memory. And I they saw got, that. Yeah. And they got, you know, a lot of them got remarkably close to varying degrees of accuracy, but they got yeah. remarkably close just from memory. And if you say, you know, Chevy, I immediately think of the bow tie logo Ferrari. Yeah. I think of, you know, the rearing horse, Audi, the four rings. So to you, though, as 
as a designer, you know, my perspective is that of a, a consumer at least, but you as a designer, why is that branding and design so important when it comes to cars specifically? Well, I mean, I have to tell you, I, I have for as long as I can remember been, even before I was in the business, been of the mind that the best thing that's happened to humanity is the invention of the automobile. I mean, before the automobile, humans did not go further than five miles from where they live for their entire lives. Mm -hmm. And I am just absolutely fascinated at the creativity and ingenuity of the human mind to put together a vehicle. Even if you put aside putting together of the vehicle, you have to design every single thing on that vehicle was touched by the human mind. And I'm fascinated by it and everything that goes behind it and all the criteria you have to meet to get a vehicle on the market. And I'm, I'm just utterly in love with the process and the creativity. And I have been trying to document that and create a national archive of the automotive industry via the marketing, graphic design, uh, enge not engineering so much, but the history the facts behind the story of every right. brand, and every car company that's ever made a car. That is amazing. And with a, uh, I mean, a, a tremendous, you know, project, I think, to undertake as well. You know, we think of, mm -hmm. you know, at least nowadays, we tend to think of the cars we see on the roads and maybe some old classic cars, but there really, truly are tons of auto manufacturers over the years and you know especially in the early days of the automotive industry some more kind of boutique type of you know automotive manufacturers as as well um how big of a undertaking is that to to document all of that how big of a how big of a scope is that well uh, i honestly deeply believe in my heart that i'm never going to be able to finish it because i think it's too big despite the fact that the automotive industry has only been around 120 130 years more or less um, you know, back to your point earlier about the early cars, one of my books is called 1900, and it features cars from the 1900s. Almost all of them are gone now, but the majority of them were either electric or steam, and nobody knows anything about them. And another book that I'm working on is called The Chicago Motor Row, which was an area in Chicago on Michigan Avenue where every car company that made a car had a dealership there. And again, most of them were electric and uh, steam. And it's a, a beautiful documentation, not only of the vehicles and the design of the vehicles, but the architecture that was created to house those dealerships. Really quite fascinating. Amazing. And uh, you were talking about steam cars and, and electric cars and some of the early stuff. And that's also one of the interesting things I found with with your book. And again, my guest is Carlos Segura, designer and author. Uh, and he, we're talking about his book, The ABCs of the Automotive Industry. Um, and by the way, this isn't the only book you have. You were telling me yeah. before the show that you, you've got some. How many books do you have, by the way? I have probably in total maybe 22 books. Uh, I'm currently working on seven. Uh, one of them is called Air, which is about air-cooled Porsches. Another one's called uh, Brit, which is the British automotive industry. And I have, you know, many others that I can mention. That's amazing. That's a lot of books. And, and you're working on several more right now, too. As right well. now. Can you yeah. give me a, a look at some of the ones that maybe are not out yet, but are coming up? Yeah, this is one called Moto Logo History, which is a history of every single logo that's out there, what they mean, uh, 
the history behind them, who designed them, all kinds of really cool uh, information that people don't know about logos. That's fantastic. And there are, speaking of logos, speaking of logos, (laughs) there are some very cool ones in this book, which I want to thank you for sending me this copy of it again here, the ABCs of the automotive industry. Um, And we're going to talk about some of the importance of some of these logos as well mm-hmm. as some of your your thought process uh, behind the book uh, behind the book rather now we're going to get to that after the break so uh, okay. carlos hang with me through the break here again my guest is carlos segura designer and author as well as car enthusiast you're listening to the automotive adhd show it's right here on the radio on am 1460 and fm 101.1 the answer in colorado springs as well as in the wet mountain valley on 91.7 kl ZR. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a minute. Got a hot ride? Let everyone hear that horsepower on the Automotive ADHD Show. Just head on to Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD, leave a like, and submit your car sounds. Best of all, get a special as heard on the Automotive ADHD Show sticker when you participate through the month of April. Show us what you got at Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD and rev those engines up for the world to hear. And my guest right here on the Automotive ADHD Show. I'm really excited to have him back for another segment. Of course, you're listening to Automotive ADHD on AM 1460 and FM 101.1 The Answer, as well as 91.7 KLZR. You may also be catching the show online as a podcast, wherever fine shows and, well, mine are, are downloaded. Now, I'm... Really excited. Uh, Carlos Segura is my guest. He's a designer. He's an award-winning designer, I should say, as well as the author of more than 20 different books. I have one of them right here in the studio with me, The ABCs of the Automotive Industry. Carlos Segura, welcome back to Automotive ADHD. Glad to be back, Matt. Thank you. Awesome. So um, we were talking before the break, we were talking about your book and some of the interesting things about it. Now, for one, it's a gorgeous uh, book, just like the book itself is 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 gorgeous. But uh, secondly, you feature a number of automotive uh, manufacturers and and logos and designs, uh, as well as um, badges for, you know, certain models of cars and trims Mm -hmm. of cars in this book. And one of the things I think that's really fascinating about it is, um, you know, when if if you were asking me, you know, okay, build an ABCs of the, uh, you know, car industry. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I would start with A as maybe Aston Martin or Alpha. Right. But you didn't do that. And I'm not going to spoil the book for all for my listeners, but I'm going to start with A here. A is for Azura. And this is interesting to me because you have found these beautiful designs and these beautiful logos that I might and I'm like a diehard car guy. Right. And I mm-hmm. might not know about these. This is right. these are things that I don't even know about. And there's so much to learn in here. You've got the logo and then you've got a description, uh, uh, some context, some history. Tell me about everything that went into making this book. Well, that book is a very interesting exercise for me because I intentionally created it. It's actually a kid's book. And I, it's, and it isn't so much a kid's book. It's a dad and kid's book. And I wanted to create a book where uh, mom and dad could spend time with their kid reading to them and uh, introduce them to the automotive industry. But the reason I chose the logos that I chose is because I wanted to make an effort and choose 
logos of brands that actually use the letter for their logo, not just the first word of their logo. So for example, your point, Aston Martin, Aston Martin has never used an A for Aston Martin. So I can't use true. it. So I only use companies that use the actual letters for their brand. Of course, most of the brands, as you noted in this book, are extinct. They're no longer. So that adds an extra little jewel of learning for both mom and dad and the kid. So I, I thought it was a, a nice little recap of the industry in the alphabet. Yeah, and I and I love that concept <clears throat> of taking logos that are the letter for it. And like I was saying with my example, if I just picked Aston or, or Alpha, honestly, right. it would be kind of a boring <laughs> book because like we like, yeah, they're cool, right? I, I love yeah. Alpha, for example. Sure. But, but like we all kind of know about Alpha, right. you know, we know about Aston Martin, you know, it wouldn't make for as interesting of a book. And that's one thing I love about this is even someone who's, you know, a diehard gearhead can open this book and learn something cool. It's not just yeah. a picture book. It's not just that. You can learn something really cool about it. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's a, like I said, a beautiful book. It, it, it in itself is a work of art, perfect to be displayed on a coffee table, which is where mine's going to live here. <laughs> um, now, now I've, I've got maybe, I, I don't want to throw you under the bus with this question. I've got kind of an oddball question with your experience with um, car logo design and branding and, and things like that. If, you know, if your design firm, Segura, were in charge of a new car company or at least hired by a new car company, you know, what would your thought process, you know, just briefly, uh, it doesn't have to be too long, but what would your thought process look like if you said, okay, we've got a new car manufacturer, let's design an iconic piece of branding for it. What does that look mm -hmm. like in your eyes? Well, I mean, it looks the same whether it's a car or a peanut. It doesn't really matter. The process for me is always be smart, be intelligent, be true, be accurate. You know, never talk down to the customer and, and never assume that they don't get it, as I've heard so many times in advertising agencies. So I just try to be respectful to the message and get it uh, to represent the the strategy, which is at the end of the day, the only thing the only roadmap that you need to follow to create a brand. And so that would be my approach uh, as to how to build it. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, I, I think, you know, coming from you, you know, being able, being someone who, for one, I mean, has devoted their life to design and things like that. And also with just your experience going through and, and finding some of the, uh, wonderful designs and things that are in mm -hmm. here. Um, were there any designs or any logos in this? Again, I, I don't want to go through it like page. I, well, I want to go through page by yeah. page, but I feel like that would spoil it for the, uh, for, for my listener. But were, were there any that you just like couldn't decide on or you had to leave out or were there multiple choices or when you went into this, were you kind of just knowing like, Oh, I got to do this logo. And then this one, how did your thought process work? You know, there are some that, that were multiple choices, but believe it or not, not that many because not that many car companies use the actual letter, believe it or not. Um, mm -hmm. But the other, the other struggle in building this archive that I've been trying to build is actually finding the proper content and the proper permissions and all that kind of stuff. And um, I'm doing this all by myself. I'm a one-man show to get all this stuff produced, and it's, a, it's overwhelming. So I feel like... Um, the amount of, of investment that I make into telling the story and, and making sure that it's accurate is, is one of the important parts of the, of the message. Fantastic. And yeah. I, I, I think it's, um, 
you know, when you look at the the work that goes into this, too, I think a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, every square inch of every single page of a book like this is, uh, you know, it has some thought that has gone into it. Research time. And like you were saying, too, with um, finding the permissions to use. I mean, you've got some great photography uh, in mm-hmm. this book of these logos and uh, mm-hmm. these badges and things like that. Um, now, now I, I got to ask as a car <clears throat> enthusiast, uh, are there any brands and designs in here that, that you're maybe more uh, partial to? I should, I should say, you know, are there, are there any favorites? Can you pick favorites uh, when you're looking at this? Well, it's difficult to pick favorites. Like there is, it's impossible to have a favorite car in my view, but I, I will say this. I feel like the ingenuity and craftsmanship of emblem and logo design is kind of lost these days. We treat, we tend to treat vehicles more as appliances and the badging on it is reflective of that. But when you look at the brands and the logos and the, and the, 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 uh, manufacturing of these brands, uh, you know, from the twenties, thirties, forties, it's truly astonishing the amount of investment they put into creating an emblem and the it's 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 works of art. Interestingly enough, when the car industry first began, cars didn't actually have emblems. They didn't even have really? the brand names on them. It was just a Ford. And the first, for example, they didn't even have uh, anything on it. It was very interesting how branding eventually uh, became much a bigger part. And then, of course, it grew into hood ornaments and all that kind of stuff, which is another book I have called Hood Ornaments. Okay. Now, see, that one's going to have to make it onto my cup coffee table <laughs> as well. Oh, man. You know, I love a good hood ornament, and I think that just going off on a tangent here, that's something that we – I get that modern cars, there's reasons. There's crash regulations, pedestrian yeah. safety and stuff, but I, I feel like a good hood ornament is – it, you know, goes a long way. And, and we don't have that in modern car design anymore. We just, yeah. I, well, you, maybe you got Rolls Royce and some other stuff. But yeah. I mean, generally speaking, I mean, I've got a 1989 Jeep uh, Grand Wagoneer and that's got a hood ornament on it still, even for, <laughs> really for that era. And I just love it. Every time I'm driving down the road, you, you just see that hood ornament. It, yeah. you know, well, for better or for worse with that Jeep, but it, it reminds you what you're driving. <laughs> yeah. I went so, to a, uh, a museum in France uh, last year that had an entire room full of hood ornaments from the late 1800s, and I've never seen anything like it. I'm going to send you some pictures after the show. Maybe you can throw some in the B-roll here, but you're not even going to believe what I'm going to send you. It's just astonishing. And I feel, you know, the, the interesting thing about my experience is I've been doing this for a long time, and every day I think, okay, there's, it's impossible that I'm going to see something I've never seen before. And every single day I see something I've never seen before. I mean, the amount of creativity and achievement in this industry is mind-boggling. Really wow. incredible. Well, and, and, and like you were saying earlier in the show, looking at that, you know, in a, you know, hundred-year history of the car, you know, that doesn't right. sound like a lot of time when you think no. about it, but of all the accomplishment and all the achievement there. Now, lastly, here before we wrap up the, uh, wrap up the show here, what sort of car is in your garage? What, what kind of cars draw your attention just personally well i currently have a 1984 porsche 911 carrera coupe which is stunning i also i don't know if you're familiar with the bmw uh clown shoe as they lovingly call it do you do you know what that is yes yes i I do (laughs) i have an s54 clown shoe 
Um, I have an M4, and then I have a G63 AMG. Wow, that's a that, you know that's an amazing collection, and the clown shoes are like the to me they're the coolest. Like the coolest. you gotta, it, it, and you know it's interesting. You see guys in you know autocross events and stuff still taking the clown shoe cars out and like racing yeah. them around and stuff, which is just you know, it's, fantastic. It, it's interesting because that car didn't sell when it was new, and there's a great story behind it which we'll talk about maybe on another podcast. But it didn't sell because it was ugly, and I'm of the mind. Uh, I kind of have a new itch for the BMW M2, which I completely bashed when it came out. I thought it was ugly as hell. And now I absolutely love it. And it's very ugly. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe it's the clown shoe M2 thing that's going on. I don't know. Well, it's kind of like a cult classic, right? When you look in movies yeah. and stuff, you know, sometimes it needs to be unsuccessful when it's new and rel- like initially to yeah. then be loved as kind of a cult classic. In a weird way, those go... Let's go hand in hand. Now, Carlos, a last thing here. Um, now, of course, you can follow Carlos uh, online uh, at his website, segura-inc.com, S-E-G-U-R-A. And you can also follow him on Instagram, Segura Inc. Now, Carlos, where can people find out more about not just this book, but your whole series of books? Well, I'm going to be releasing those soon via my Instagram feed. I also have a feed called Car Type. And that's where all the information for the books will be posted. Uh, we're in the process of uh, doing some more work with Trope Publishing, which is the one who released our first book, uh, The ABCs. And they'll be releasing something about that as well soon. Wonderful. Caro Segura, designer and author, thank you for joining me right here on Automotive ADHD. Thank you, man. Thank you. Awesome. You know, a wonderful, what a wonderful opportunity to have a guest like Carlos Segura on my show. And of course, I want to thank you as well for joining me on this edition of the Automotive ADHD show. Remember, don't miss a minute of this show. There are a lot of great ways to catch the show. You can listen on the radio, a couple of great radio stations here in Colorado, uh, 91.7 KLZR, AM 1460 and FM 101.1 The Answer. Also online, wherever fine shows and, well, mine are downloaded. And you can you can check that out on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, iHeart, Odyssey, all of the places. Uh, and, of course, remember to give it a rating if you're listening on Spotify as well. Six stars. You can keep in touch with the show as well on Facebook and send those car sounds into the show to have them featured on the radio. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. Now, I will talk to you same time, same place right here next week. 